looked at how the word comfort in biblical terms means uh, to strengthen, to help make us strong and brave in the midst of our circumstances. We've also studied Jesus' words when he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Which teaches us that we are comforted by God when we grasp the weight of our sin and mourn our own sinfulness. And last week we discussed how God comforts us through his presence and through his rod and staff. In which he uses both discipline and grace to strengthen us and make us brave in the midst of life's difficulties. And so today we're going to be focusing on what our responsibility is in this whole conversation about God's comfort. What does God ask and require of us in order to receive and live into his comfort? What responsibility do we carry so that we can fully experience the comfort that God offers? And our responsibility is two-part. So we're going to start with the first. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It should be page 886, I believe, if you're using a pew Bible. This is a very well-known part of Scripture. Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, just a show of hands, how many of you have turned to Jesus' words here at some point in your life when you needed comfort? Wow, a lot of us. Yeah, I love this passage. I love this part of Scripture, and Jesus' words here have comforted me many times throughout my life. But this is not just a feel-good passage. It's not um, just declaring that God has our best interest in mind. Of course he does. He does want to comfort us, no doubt about it. But there's also a responsibility that Jesus requires from us found in this text. There's something that we have to do. We have to come to him. We must come to him. We have to draw near to him. We must approach him and make ourselves available to be with him, to listen to him, to converse with him, to see what he wants to reveal to us and teach us. We have to come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that sounds simple, doesn't it? Sounds simple enough. It makes sense for the most part, logically. Just come to Jesus. Come to him when life is good. Come to him when life is bad. It seems like such an obvious and somewhat maybe even easy responsibility on our part. But if it's so easy, then why do we, by and large, often struggle so much to actually do it? You know, when Jesus says, come to me here, This is a command. It's not a suggestion, which is very interesting to know. He's not saying, hey, come to me for comfort and for rest. But if you want to go to someone else, then that's fine too. I'm just kind of throwing it out there as an option. That's not what he's saying here at all, right? These are are powerful words straight from the mouth of our Savior and King that is a command. Come to me. But why do we so often choose not to do so? And that's a question I want to ask you guys. So I want to get some feedback. 
why don't we come to Jesus? Of course we do at times, um, but why not daily, consistently? Why don't you come to Jesus? What hinders you from drawing near to him? So I'd love to hear from a few of you. The floor is open. Why don't you come to Jesus? What hinders you from drawing near to him every day? There's a lot of reasons for a lot of us. Let's hear from a few of you. Ben, what's that? Your pride, sure, yeah. That's a big one. We're going to hit on that, yeah. What else? Yes, I'll get you in a second, Rain. I don't know who that is. Oh, Rob, hey. Yes, okay, yep, yeah, the enemy tells us that we got it on our own. We're going to hit on that, good. Randy? My thoughts on this is uh, how many times I asked for help and turned around and didn't do what I said I would do for them. Okay, yeah, he says how many times he asked for help and then turns around and doesn't do what he said he would do for the help. Sure, anyone else? There's lots of reasons. Yes, Rob. Sure. Yeah, sometimes the voice of God in our minds doesn't come quick enough, so we take matters into our own hands. Good. Well, it's not good, but yeah, following you. Anyone else? Sure. Thank you, man. Your voice is heard. Your voice carries. <laughs> Holy cow. I don't even need to repeat that. Man, you're louder than some people that use a microphone. Good stuff. You know, some of us, I think, several thoughts. Some of us fail or refuse to come to Jesus because we have this sense, as some of you said, that we can figure it out on our own. And we've grown up in a culture that tells us when we want something, we just, we need to try harder, right? We need to persuade people in order to get what we want, to get our, you know, desired results. We think if we can just change this person's mind, if we can charm this person with our words, then they might be able to help us get our circumstances to more, more of an ideal place that we want. And some of us here are even pretty good at knowing the words of this book. You know, we got it down fairly well. And so we think that we know how to respond to whatever life might bring to us without first taking it to God and seeing what he might have to speak to us in the midst of our struggle, you know, through prayer. Our arrogance leads us to believe that we think we know what we need or we know how to handle whatever difficult circumstances we might be facing at any given moment without first taking it to God for help and guidance. And then I think There's some of us that don't come to Christ because we're not that open to how God wants to comfort us. There's a lot of misconceptions out there about how God comforts us. He doesn't just sprinkle, you know, magic comfort ducks on us when life is difficult. He's not concerned with comforting us through physical pleasure or wealth or leisure. He's not concerned with fixing all of the problems in our life so that we can feel better about ourselves or that we can finally be removed from pain and heartache and suffering. God's way of comforting us typically involves discipline and grace. 
the rod and the staff, just like we talked about last Sunday. Sometimes God needs to share hard truths with us through his word or through trusted Christian friends. And those truths, those words can be hard to swallow at times. And it often demands that we die to our selfish desires. And since that's not very fun to do for most of us, we prefer to not go to God because we're afraid of what he's going to demand of us. We think that what we're going to hear from him is going to be burdensome. But 1 John 5.3 tells us that God's commands are not burdensome. So if we are hearing them as burdensome, we're not hearing them correctly. Psalm 19 says that your words, your commands are radiant and they bring life. They give life and light to my eyes. His commands help us better reflect him and show us how to live according to his purpose. And this is a tough one to swallow. Like Bob said, maybe... Three weeks ago, God's comfort usually involves coming to terms with the weight of our own sin and taking time to mourn our own sinfulness so that we might receive his comfort in the midst of our brokenness. And that is yucky and messy and not fun. Sometimes confession is needed on our part to own up to our sin to God, maybe even to another person that we've wronged, that we've mistreated, that we've been rude to, whatever it might be. So many of us tend to avoid that as well because confessing our wrongs is not very fun because we're too prideful to admit. Are we open to how God wants to comfort us? Are you open to how God wants to comfort you? And in the last sentence of the passage we read earlier, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God does not promise to take away our circumstances, but his yoke is still easy and his burden is light. And so you might be wondering, how can those two things be true at the same time? That life is going to be difficult and we're going to suffer and we're going to have a lot of heartache, but yet his yoke is easy and his burden is light. How can they be true together? And they can both be true. This is so crucial, guys. It can both be true at the same time because Christ is with us. He is with us. He literally dwells inside of us through his spirit. And our job is simply to rest in his strength. Our job is to rest in his strength. Take a second and think about the life of the Apostle Paul. Okay? God called him to preach the gospel to idol worshipers and pagans all throughout the Mediterranean world. And guys, just to be blunt, Paul went from town to town literally getting his butt kicked, okay? He was beaten constantly, stoned, spit upon, mocked, ridiculed, left for dead. He got beat up everywhere he went. And yet in the midst of his suffering and ridicule, God was still good. His yoke was easy and his burden was light. And this is why Paul shared the story of Jesus speaking to him when he wrote this in 2 Corinthians. So this is Jesus. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So this next part's Paul speaking. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. 
we can delight in our weaknesses and hardship and difficulties because when we're weak, when we acknowledge that we are not in control, it's in those moments that the power of God lifts us up and is able to comfort us and strengthen us and make us brave enough to face what the next day might bring. There is no question about it. Every adult here has experienced it. Life will try to beat us down, right? Life will try to beat you down. But our God will continually lift us up so that we can walk through life with confidence. Confidence that only comes from being a son and daughter of a king. So that we can rest in him and knowing that, this is huge guys, nothing, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That's the confidence that we have in our king. And so before we continue, I want to answer a question that you might be asking. Maybe you're wondering why God even requires anything on our part in this whole conversation about comfort. I mean, when life is difficult and messy and we're suffering, why God? Why doesn't God just step in and scoop us out of the pain? Isn't that what a good father does? And the main problem with that question is that it fails to acknowledge the truth that God is already the initiator and the pursuer of us. God is already the initiator and pursuer of us. Scripture says that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. It's kind of this dance. Think of, it, think of it like this. It's kind of this dance between us and God. God makes a few moves towards us. He says, hey, I just want you to make a few towards me, right? I'm going to make some moves towards you. Or, you know, are you going to make some moves towards me? He doesn't force himself or push himself on anyone. He gives us the choice to respond to his pursuit of our hearts, He's not an indifferent judge. He has already made moves towards us. And most of the time, he is just patiently waiting to see if we will respond to his outstretched arms. Now, try to think about this concept in the relationship between parents and their children. Now, this is, this is interesting. You know, we could try to take care of a lot of things for our kids. Try to fix maybe a lot of their shortcomings. We can try to step in and save them from pain when we know that they might be on the verge of doing or saying something that is not going to end well. We can see it coming as adults, right? But how much more growth happens when our kids willingly admit that they have a need? That, that, that's a totally different situation, right? How much different is it when our kids come to us and say, hey, mom and dad, I need help. I need guidance in this relationship in this situation, what should I do? Those encounters almost always end differently than when we just bombard them with our input, right? That we think they might need to hear. And let's be honest, most kids, at least kids that I know, my kids aren't old enough to really have much of a dialogue, but most kids I know aren't really appreciative when their parent just bombards them with advice that they didn't ask for in the first place, right? It's annoying. Shut the door. I don't want to hear it. But when they willingly come to us, just like Christ came to us, there is always an opportunity for growth and connection and healing and intimacy. So the first part of our responsibility is being willing to come to Jesus. Now we come to the second part of our responsibility in living into God's comfort. 
Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Peter 5, 7. Some of you got this one memorized. I think it's page 1112. One verse, 1 Peter 5, 7. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him, Christ, because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So the first part of our responsibility is to come to Jesus, and the second part is to cast our anxiety onto him. Think of all the anxious thoughts that you're tempted to have or maybe have throughout any given week. I came up with a short list. There's about 500 more, I'm sure, that I didn't hit. Perhaps it's anxiety of your future or a tough conversation or situation that you know you're going to have to face soon. Maybe it's fear over what people might be thinking or saying about you. Maybe it's worry over your finances, high stress from your job or work, the expectations of others, and you fear that you're going to let them down. Perhaps it's anxiety over a broken relationship that just caused tons of heartache in your life. Maybe you have health issues. And so worst case scenarios constantly play through your mind of what could happen a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you're ashamed of. And so you don't want to come clean to anyone for fear of being judged or rejected. The enemy loves to use anything possible to fill our minds with anxiety. Anything that takes our mind off of Christ is a worthwhile investment of the enemy's time. So what do we do with that anxiety? When our hearts race and our minds become cluttered with fear and worry, what do we do with that anxiety? We have to do something with it. We respond in some way. The passage we just read makes it clear. Cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. And the Greek word used there literally means to throw on. I love that. Throw all your anxiety on Jesus because he loves you and he wants to carry your burdens for you. And while we might know that's to be true in what scripture says, I think many of us, definitely myself, often have a different way of handling our anxiety. Rather than casting it on God... Many of us like to cast it on others. Rather than casting it on God, many of us like to cast it on others. We like to throw our fears and worries on other people in hopes that they will do something about it. Some of us would rather complain and moan to other people because we think once they hear our desperation, maybe they'll step in and do something to help fix what is wrong and broken in our life. We cast a lot of stuff on people that aren't God and unknowingly ask them to be our Savior. Maybe it's your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, parents, best friend. We throw a lot of junk on people. And we hope that they'll somehow be able to heal us or take away the pain. And then when they don't take the pain, sometimes we're tempted to lash out on them in frustration, anger, disappointment because we put expectations on them that no human being could ever possibly fulfill only God alone could fulfill 
Who do you cast your anxiety on? Who do you unknowingly treat as a savior in your life? Who might you be looking to apart from Christ to be your comforter? And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. As a pastor, the nature of my job makes me someone that people come to to cast their anxiety on. Okay? Part of my job is being the recipient of other people's junk. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Amen. Yes, counselors. Mm -hmm. No, in all seriousness, no. It is my duty and really my privilege as a brother in Christ to help carry one another's burdens. Even if I wasn't a pastor, that would be my duty as your brother in Christ to help carry your burdens. But it can also take a major toll on my life when it gets out of hand. A major toll on my life and the life of my family. The late night phone calls, desperate text messages, constant updates on people's circumstances... It can really impact my ability and my availability to be a good and present husband to my wife and father to my little girls. It can be difficult when people come to me whose lives are falling apart and we meet and they just vomit for an hour or two hours about the horrible mess that they're in and then they stop and it's this moment where they look at me and their eyes say, say something Fix me, Justin. Heal me. Just take it away. And I always disappoint. I always let them down because I am not God. I always let them down because I'm not God. What people really need to hear a lot of the times is not what they want to hear. Because what they really need to hear, especially in moments of crisis or difficulty, what they really need to hear is going to demand a lot from them. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to be a lot of looking in the mirror and self-reflection, a lot of confession, a lot of coming clean, and a lot of repentance and making things right. Not only between God getting that relationship right, but mending broken relationships that they've done damage to throughout recent months or years. There is no shortcut to healing. Nobody, not your pastor, not your counselor, not your teacher, not your coach, Nobody can replace the transforming power of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Only he can heal and transform the human heart. No human being can do that. And as I was reflecting on my own life, trying to consider which of these two that I'm maybe better at, coming to Jesus or casting my anxiety on him, I don't think I'm good at either. I'm kind of a pessimist, though. I beat myself up, so I'm like, oh, I'm terrible at both these. But I leaned towards maybe I'm better at casting because I think a simple prayer of God, take away my fear, take away my worries is what that looks like. And there's a lot more to it than that. I'm learning. You see, a lot of times when I think I'm casting my anxiety on Jesus, what I'm really doing, what I'm actually doing is asking him to take away the pain with little to no cost on my end. That's what I'm doing 90% of the time. I just want him to fix my mess rather than taking the time to look in the mirror and have him reveal to me what he might want to speak to me about my heart and my character. And guys, we also need to remember that we can come to Jesus every day. We can cast our anxiety on him every day. We can be amazing at that and disciplined in it. 
We can do it every day for the rest of our lives, and it still doesn't mean our circumstances will change. Okay? Our circumstances might not ever change. And so the backdrop of our understanding in this whole conversation has to be that God has already done more for us than we could possibly deserve. Okay? Even if he never did anything else for us for the rest of our lives, we've already been given more than we could possibly have dreamed of or imagined. That has to be the backdrop of this conversation. So we don't come to him or cast our anxiety on him in order to change our circumstances. We come to him in order that our hearts and minds and lives might be radically transformed by his saving grace and love. That is why we come to him. And guys, as we come to the communion table here today in a minute, we're going to give you guys some, just some space, some time to reflect on what we've covered today. Our responsibility in receiving God's comfort is to come to him and to cast our anxieties onto him. And during, during the silence that we're going to give you here in a minute, I want you to reflect on that. And I challenge you to pay attention this week and in the coming weeks. Pay attention to how you respond to difficulty. When you get a text message or a phone call or an email or you see somebody and something goes down, something rude is said, when drama breaks out, whatever it might be, when you get a bad medical report, how do you respond to difficulty? What does coming to Jesus look like for you daily, weekly, monthly? Pay attention to how you respond when you're tempted to let fear and anxiety Take grip in your life. Who do you tend to cast that anxiety on? Invite the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants to teach you and maybe how he wants to stretch you in these areas. Ask him to reveal unhealthy patterns in your life that you might be blind to. And then trust that through his power, he'll comfort you and give you what you need to be strengthened and to be brave enough to walk through the valley that you might be facing. And through it all, this is so key, guys. Remember that he is worthy to be praised. Whether life is good or bad, he is worthy to be praised. Praise be, Second Corinthians, praise be to the God of all comfort and the Father of compassion. I'm going to pray for us, and then after a minute or two of silence, the ushers will come dismiss you each by row. Just come forward, take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice. And we have, I believe, gluten-free options if you need that as well. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your words. This is hard stuff, God, sometimes to swallow. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be men and women that come to you, God. And that cast our anxiety onto you, God commands that you have given us, God. These are not just suggestions or proposals that you've given us to choose from, God. Help us to be people that come to you, God. Forgive us for coming to others, God, for going to other people, expecting them to heal us, or asking them to unknowingly be our Savior, or putting false, ridiculous expectations on them that no human being could ever fulfill, God. You are our Savior and King, God. Help us to be humble enough. God, remove our pride. Help us to see how desperately we need to come to you, to cast our fear, 
onto you, God, so that we might live and walk according to your purpose. God, I pray in this time and silence that you would speak to us, God. Um, we're all over the map here, probably, on this conversation. Should just help us to be open to what you want to reveal, God, and help us to be willing to do our part and our responsibility in living out uh, the comfort that you offer us every day.